You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and if you're able to stand in honor of God's word, read a passage beginning in verse number 21. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And they went, they being the Lord Jesus, together with some of his newest disciples, he's just chosen a few. They went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes, you think? (laughs) Yeah. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her. Anon means somebody told him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak. Listen to this. Because they knew him. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for an opportunity once again to open your word, to approach as I trust we do today with receptive hearts and minds. I don't know the heart of every and the condition of every person here, but I know that you do. And I pray as only you know how and as best you know how to tender the heart and to make the heart receptive to what you have for us both collectively, but most importantly then, individually. If there would be perchance someone here who's never trusted you as their savior, I pray you'd open their eyes, open their mind, open their heart to be receptive to the truth today. And as you say in your word, today is the day of salvation. Your desire is for anyone here that's lost come to know you as their Savior today, not sometime in the future, not at a more convenient time, as did say 
King Agrippa, but rather today, Lord, would be the day of salvation for anyone that's lost. I pray you'd help me, Lord, you know my weakness, you know my infirmity, you know my lack of ability, but Lord, I want to be an instrument that you can use and show yourself strong today. I pray you'd speak to me as well as through me. We all need to hear from you today. And so I pray that you'd open the word of God and speak to our hearts. So we commit the service to you now. We're anxious to see what you're going to do because we know you have designs. We know you have intent. We pray that your will would be done here today. So we'll commit it to you and look to you and praise you for it even now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How many would be familiar with a a TV program? I don't know if it's still on the air. I don't watch a whole lot of network TV anymore, but there used to be a a, a little game show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? How many remember that? I don't know if it's still on or not, but of course the questions would be questions that they would teach in the lower grades in school and that fifth graders and down uh, should know. So I thought, let's, let's have a little fun today and see if you're smarter than a fifth grader. Uh, I'll ask you a couple of questions here. <clears throat> How many vowels are in the word beautify? How many vowels are in the word beautify? Two, three, four, or five? And you can talk to me. If you've got an idea, you can bark it out. Five. five. Anybody else? How many vowels in the word beautify? Two, three, four, or five? Uh, four. <laughs> uh, e, A, U, and I are in the word beautify. Okay, here's another one. What is the plural form of the word mongoose? Is it mongeese, mongooses, mongozzles, or mongai? Mongeese, mongooses, mongozzles, or mongai. This is going somewhere, so stay with me, all right? <clears throat> mongozzles? What? Mongazai? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the plural form of mongoose is mongooses. <laughs> Okay, here's another one. What colors are called primary colors? Red, yellow, and blue. Red, green, and blue. Red, green, and yellow. Or green, yellow, and blue. The primary colors, there are three. Is it red, yellow, and blue? Red, green, and blue. Red, green, and yellow. Or green, yellow, and blue. And nobody's been right thus far, so don't let that intimidate you. (laughs) If you think you know the answer, mark it out. Somebody said it over here. Red, yellow, and blue are the primary colors. Okay, one, one more. Okay. Name the Indian tribe that helped the pilgrims. Is it the Iroquois? The Wampanoags, the Mohegans, or the Pawtuxets? The Indian tribe that helped the pilgrims. The, Ino- Il- <laughs> the Iroquois, <laughs> Illinois. The Iroquois, the Wampanoags, the Mohegans, or the Pawtuxets? 
Mark it out. You say the Patuxets? Juan says number two, the Wampanoags. The Wampanoags is the correct answer. You get the gold star, Juan. <laughs> You're smarter than a, as smart as a fifth grader, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's, uh, I said this was going somewhere. You said, where in the world is this going? Well, here it is. Let's make a parallel question taken from our text. <clears throat> Are you smarter than an evil spirit or a fallen angel? Are you smarter than an evil spirit or what could be called a fallen angel? Well, we know they are powerful. Hello? Well, let me start by saying we know they exist. I'll say again, we know they exist. We're talking about fallen angels, evil spirits. Okay? This isn't something, this isn't some fairy story here, fairy tale. Well, this is a true account of a true condition. And I'll tell you what, America has been insulated in our history traditionally from this kind of stuff because we were known as a Christian nation. We had Christian values and Christian approaches to issues, laws based on the word of God, and we were protected. Hello, we were protected from a lot of that. But as we get farther and farther away from God, I hope that's not news to anybody. As we get farther and farther away from God, the more bizarre it gets. And we are moving, pardon the use of the term, but we are moving to the dark side and the influences of the evil. It's interesting, some of the cultural things today and young people given to wearing black and what's it called, gothic? stuff and the rise in what I call our skin graffiti (laughs) they call it tattoos I call it skin graffiti yeah the right come on that stuff comes from the pagans I took a trip years ago my youngest daughter's married to a military and they were in Hawaii so we went to see the grandkids (laughs) anyway went to Hawaii and uh, went to the uh, Polynesian Cultural Center. Some of you maybe have been there. And they had quite a display on tattoos, and it started in the Polynesian Islands. And some of those would be absolutely covered from head to toe with tattoos. Okay. I was in a restaurant, uh, uh, it's been a couple years ago. There was an attractive lady sitting across in a d- different table, a very attractive face, which caught my attention. She's very, very attractive. But I'm telling you, from under her chin, every other bit of skin that I could see, she had a short sleeve blouse on, her neck. I mean, everything was covered. Well, let me say for the benefit of the young people here, you do know to get that stuff off is almost impossible. It's like a permanent thing. Why in heaven's name, why in heaven's name would you want to scar your body like that? Who in the right mind? I looked at that woman and I thought, are you an idiot or what? Who in their right mind thinks that's attractive? Come on, it's called skin graffiti. 
It's ugly. But all of that, I'm telling you, just gives testimony, gives rise to where we're going as a culture. And so confrontation with these kinds of conditions are not going to be foreign any longer. Not too long ago, a few years ago, but had a man in my church who, his wife, he knew she was lost and he thought she was demon-possessed. I mean, he, he said with, a, with great angst and fear, he, he believed that his wife was demon-possessed and he wanted me to come see her. That'll sober you up. I'll come to some of this in a minute, but I got to tell you, I did some praying and fasting. I said, Lord, I'm new at this. Never been this way before. I've never faced this kind of condition. And so, Lord, uh, you better go not just with me. I need you to go before me. <laughs> and I need you to help me. And, and so I went with some real trepidation and, frankly, fear. <laughs> And so I began to generate a conversation and I purposely began to speak about the blood of Christ and the sacrifice of our Savior for our sin. And I mentioned the blood of Christ again and again. And it seemed to generate no response. So then I got a, a little bit more at peace. I left, to short the story, I left the place believing she wasn't demon possessed. I do believe there's kind of three different conditions you can have with the ungodly or wicked world there can be possession but there's often obsession and certainly even for believers there's oppression (laughs) a possession is a whole different ball game (laughs) when the demon possesses or in some cases as we know in scripture a number of demons would possess an individual Again, I say we need to first and foremost understand it's a real condition. Lucifer is real. These, some believe a third, of course from scripture, a third of the angels in heaven followed him as they fell from heaven. Millions of them, I would assume. And they're at work today. So again, it's a real condition. It's a, it's a condition we realize it's the spiritual warfare and it's above us, it's beyond us. We know they have powers really beyond us. They can do things like when Moses went to Egypt and he threw down his rod and it became a serpent. And Pharaoh wasn't too impressed. He said, told his soothsayers to do the same and their rods became serpents. Hey, Satan can do a lot of things. He's powerful. By the way, Moses, serpent, swallowed up their serpents. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, it's a real deal and it's powerful. But I would encourage you in this way, they're not smarter than we are. (laughs) They're powerful, but they're not smarter than we are. There's some scriptural encouragement. 1 John 4, year of God, little children, have overcome them because greater is he that's in you and he that's in the world. Isaiah 14, God speaking directly to Lucifer. I love this one. This is an encouragement. Listen to this. God speaking to Lucifer. He said, and he's speaking prophetically one day when we get to eternity. They, speaking of God's people, that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee 
and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, and that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? This little scrawny little <laughs> pimp, this guy is the one that turned the world upside down? I'm telling you, come on, our God is greater. Kids sing a song <laughs> about our mighty God. Yeah, he's much mightier than Lucifer. We don't have to worry about him. We don't have to be afraid of him. Come on. We will, as I say, come in contact with him probably every day. In some sense, he opposes us. He oppresses us. He's our adversary. We don't have to be afraid of him. <laughs> and we can be. Smarter than he is. You say, how in the world? I'll show you here in just a minute, okay? But I want you to look again at verse number 34 in our text. He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. They knew him. (laughs) Well, yeah, from eternity past. Before what we know as the creation, when at one time Lucifer was a powerful archangel, the Bible tells us most beautiful of them. And these angels, these evil spirits, these demons that are confronted here in the New Testament were at one time angels of God in heaven. Who else was there before the foundation of the earth? Well, the second person of the Godhead. The Lamb of God, as they declare of him here, we know thou art the Holy One of God. They knew who he was. Hello. Well, here's the question again. Are you smarter than a fallen angel? Are you smarter than an evil spirit? Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? I'm not talking about in some sort of an academic Sense of I know about Jesus of Nazareth. I know I know a lot of churches worship him. I'm not talking about in that context. I'm talking about do you know who he is? He's not just some leader of the Christian world. He's not just some prophet. He's not just some example. And come on, the world gives all kinds of definitions about who Jesus is. Do you know who he is? Those demons knew who he was. Oh boy, did they. The Holy One. Come on, get your theology straight. Jesus Christ is the God-man. I heard a preacher say years ago, it kind of caught my attention, I had to stop and think for a moment. He said, Jesus Christ, he says, the Christ has always been God. The second person the Godhead has always been. Amen. Come on, he goes to eternity past, eternity future. He goes in either direction. He's the Alpha and Omega. Amen. Amen. He said, he was one with the Father, no doubt about it. He said, but until Bethlehem, there was no Jesus Christ. I had to stop and think. There's always been Christ, but until Bethlehem, there was no Jesus Christ. That's true. That's a defining time. B.C., A.D., (laughs) very defining. It's when God became man and took upon himself our condition 
For what purpose? To take our place. <laughs> to die in our place. To pay the debt for us that we could not pay ourselves. Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? The Holy One, the Promised One. The Deliverer. <laughs> Interesting in this text here. He delivered those men and those people from the, being possessed by these demons. He delivered them. He is the deliverer. I, I take some comfort. I take some, you know, I hope it's a spiritual pride, but I take some pride in the fact Jesus, the name Jesus, thou shalt call his name Jesus. That's a Gentile name. Did you know that? It's a Greek name. <laughs> I'm a Gentile. I'd, I suggest and I would suppose Nearly everybody I'm speaking to here this morning are Gentiles. I'm glad I'm a Gentile. I like catfish and shrimp and <laughs> ham. And <laughs> yeah. When our Savior became the God-man, and he took upon himself the name, a Gentile name, Jesus. But it's the similar name, as you may know, as the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua and Jesus mean the same thing. Deliverer, Savior, God's Deliverer, God's Savior. Well, literally, in the very essence of the very name, Jesus is God's Savior. I trust he's not just God's Savior because God didn't intend him just to be his Savior or the one he would send as a Savior. No, God intended for him to be your Savior and my Savior. Amen. Which again, I take comfort, he has a Gentile name. <laughs> Jesus, our Savior, the promised one, the almighty one, the almighty one. Again, I say, are you smarter than an evil spirit? Are you smarter than a fallen angel? There was a time and one occasion when Lucifer said he's going to take over the throne and he's going to be God. Dummy. <laughs> you dummy. You need to go to school. There's only one almighty person. Come on. The almighty one. Our God who can do anything. I'll come back to that in just a moment here. But the almighty one, the coming one. The coming one. <laughs> one of the great, one of the great uh, assurances or comforts that we get from Scripture is when Jesus said, I go away. But I will come again. <laughs> and he is coming. He hasn't come yet, but he's coming. <laughs> Do you know who he is? He's the Savior. He's the Mighty One. He's the Mighty God, he's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the personal savior that he wants to know you so that you would know him. Come on, I'm telling you, he wants a personal relationship. Do you know who he is? Come on, he's not just some distant, not just some departed or, or some disconnected person that has some interest. No, he has a personal interest in you and me. One of my pet peeves is these Spin doctors today trying to change our history. 
And they try to make out men like Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin who, who were God-fearing men. I don't know in every case, I think there's some evidence that Ben Franklin was probably not saved. But he had a fear of God. He had a respect for the word of God. He would go out of his way and travel many miles to hear George Whitfield preach. I have a man in my church that is still lost. and He's been lost for seven or eight years now he's been coming. He knows he's lost. He'll let me talk to him about his need to be saved. And I, I mean, I've spent time, I've, I've, I've got to the point where I've pushed him. I've said, your wife's saved and, and you're not in the best of health. Don't, don't let your wife and me have to preach your funeral and knowing that you're in hell, don't make us do that. I mean, I'm thinking this ought to get his attention. And he would still say, well, I'm, I'm just not ready. I want to grab him and shake him. <laughs> what in the world? I have to think the same of Ben Franklin. If you said under the preaching of George Whitfield, how in the world would you not be saved? Yeah. But anyway, all that to say, there are spin doctors today that try to make them out to be deists. You know what a deist believes? A deist believes that God did create the world. That there is a holy entity or deity that created everything that is. But he, he put it in motion. He put it all together. He put the earth, gave it a spin, and then he went off to who knows where. And he has no interest whatsoever in anything that goes on in the world today. And so he's completely detached or distant from any of his creation. Well, that's not the God in the word of God. And that was not how Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson understood him at all. In fact, it was Ben Franklin, you may recall if you've learned history, they don't teach it much in public conditioning anymore. It was Ben Franklin at the Constitutional Convention that he saw a picture, they were having some trouble, small states against the large states, and it looked like the thing was going to break up and there wouldn't be a United States. And so Ben Franklin stood up and he saw this picture of a sunset or a sun rising. He said, I don't know which it is. Beautiful picture. And I don't know if it's kind of a testimony to what's going on here or not. I don't know if the sun is rising on this, on this effort to establish a United States or if it's a picture of the sun setting and it's not going to happen. <laughs> and then he said, he referenced the scriptures and he said, we know <clears throat> that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without, without God's notice. And then he said, <laughs> how will a nation ever rise without his aid? And so he he admonished the men, those delegates there, that they needed to start every day that they met together, that they would start with a time of prayer. And so every one of them would get down on their knees and they would pray together. And that established, thank God, what's still practiced today in our Congress. Every day starts with somebody leading the, the session in prayer. I think we need God still today as they did then. All that to say, <clears throat> our forefathers didn't, they weren't deists. I said they weren't deists. They weren't all saved, but most of them were. 
In fact, you want to do a little Googling, you got to Google George Washington's personal testimony of his salvation. <laughs> I'm telling you, you want to get up and shout, glory to God. Man, it's something. I'm glad he's the father of our country. Yeah. Thank God. <clears throat> do you know who Jesus is? Our forefathers did. <laughs> do you know what he can do? Look again in our text here. <clears throat> Look in verse number 25. And Jesus rebuked him when, when this, this demon or demons, <clears throat> I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, <laughs> what did he do? He did what Jesus told him to do. Yea, commanded him to do. Do you know what Jesus can do? Come on, New Testament believer in the midst of a country going south. Hey, God's still on the throne. I say it all the time and I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself many times. God's not wringing his hands today. He's not chewing his nails saying, oh my heavens, Biden was elected. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, he's very much in charge. Do you know what he can do? He can take the heart of the king and turn it whithersoever he will. Yes, he can. Matthew gave this account in Matthew 12. He said, great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. <laughs> I mean, the power and ability of our Savior is not limited in any fashion. He can do whatsoever he wills to do. Yes, he can. There in verse number 27, the last part. <laughs> what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth, commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Yes, sir. He's in control of it all. Nothing beyond his capability. Kids have this little chorus. God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. He can save. He can heal. He can keep and he will. He can do anything but fail. <laughs> oh man, what a savior. Somebody ought to write a song. What a savior. Yeah, I'm telling you. Glorious in his person. Glorious in his capability. Do you know him? Do you know who he is? Are you smarter than an evil spirit? <laughs> You know what he can do? Do you know what he will do? <laughs> do you know what he will do? In verse number 24, look at it. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Look what he said just before that. Art thou come to destroy us? <laughs> Is this the time? Now, I said again, we're smarter. We can be smarter. We can know more than the evil spirits. Is this the time when you're going to destroy us? Well, obviously, it wasn't the time. We have a lot of insight today that even Paul and those back then didn't have. Paul said, when we which are alive and remain, Paul expected he's going to be alive when Jesus came back. So did most of the disciples. 
Well, obviously, they didn't have that quite right. A little later on in 2 Timothy, God made known to Paul, no, Paul, you're not going to be raptured. You're going to be a martyr. Because he said, I know that the day of my departure is at hand. (laughs) But boy, have we got some perspective today. (laughs) We can look back with the advantage of scriptural revelation I'm not just talking about the book of the Revelation. I'm talking about the revelation of Scripture, the prophets, and what we know from the Word of God. We have all kinds of understanding today. And here's my understanding. Even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, we're on the threshold of His coming. Let me read a Scripture to you, and then I'm going to give you an illustration. Is it time? Is this the time? Because again, it will happen. He is coming back. Come on. He promised to come back. His promises are true. The Bible tells us he cannot lie. Come on. He's coming back. And all the things that come together in fulfillment of prophecy, God doesn't conflict with his word. He doesn't contradict his word. He fulfills his word. And he's going to fulfill it. Because he's going to come back. Revelation 12. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation and strength and the kingdom now has come the salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death therefore rejoice ye heavens And ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. (laughs) He knows enough to know, again, the prophecies of God, that there's coming a time when his time runs out. He hath but a short time. You say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah, we're 2,000 years closer. And again, with the perspective we have 2,000 years down the road, we can understand and see the fulfillment. <clears throat> Some of you may know the name Al Lacey. He was an evangelist. He's been in heaven now probably a little better than 10 years anyway. My wife and I met in Houston, Texas at Freeway Baptist Church. Young people, a good place to meet a prospective mate is in church Amen. and a Baptist church and an independent Baptist church. A Bible preaching, come on. I threw that in for free. Anyway, (laughs) my wife and I met at such a church and our pastor was Granville LaForge. He's in heaven as well. He had L.A.C. come every year. We had him as an evangelist every year for revival. And this one year, in fact, my wife and I, I think we were engaged or close to be at the time. She gives her own personal testimony. It was at this this one service when L.A.C. preached that she got saved. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was a, <laughs> she was a bus worker. She's in the choir. She worked in the nursery. She was actively involved as a church member. And she was lost. Might there be anybody like that today here? I don't know. God knows the heart. But Jesus had 12 disciples and one of them was a devil. If Jesus had a false, false testimony, a false believer in his church, I wonder how many we have in our churches today. 
In fact, I hear preachers say it all the time. I wonder how many lost people are in my church. It's scary to think about. <clears throat> Al Lacey came and he preached and we had an auditorium about this size, maybe not quite as deep, but we had a balcony. And it was a pretty new building, so we weren't using the balcony yet. And uh, Al Lacey was preaching this message about prophecy, about the coming of the Lord Jesus. And in the midst of this, he was quite a, if, if you, any of you know him, he later wrote uh, historical novels based on history. He's a great storyteller, great storyteller. And so he starts telling this story about rehearsing the things, prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus and how at different points it would be a fulfillment. And so he'd have Gabriel. He'd say, Gabriel would come with his, with his trumpet and he'd say, Lord, is it, is it today? Is it today? And I mean, time and again, probably about five or six times through the midst of this message, he, he would say, no, Gabriel, not today. So Gabriel would be disappointed. Well, then he'd go on and he'd talk. And as he got toward the end, he said, like in 1948, fulfillment of Scripture, Israel was regathered back in their homeland. And man, it was fit for the Lord coming back. Here comes Gabriel. It's today, isn't it, Lord? It's today you're coming back. No, Gabriel, not today. It's not today. No, not today. Okay, so he went. So then he'd go through different things and he'd get more up to where we are in current events. And how there's, as Paul talked about, even among God's people, there's going to come a turning away. And hearts are going to be cold. And all the evidence is that, boy, the time is ripe. <laughs> Here comes Gabriel. Is it today, Lord? And I mean, he's, he's getting down. He's done this now four or five times. And more and more you're saying, man, the time is ripe, you know, for the Lord to come. And so Gabriel comes and says, is it today, Lord? Well, Brother Lacey planted a guy in the balcony. Nobody's up there. Nobody sees him. He has a trumpet. <laughs> and is it today, Lord? And the Lord says, it's today, Gabriel. Let her blow. <laughs> and you hear this trumpet on a microphone, I think. <laughs> and I'm telling you, the hair on the back of your neck raised up. And I'm telling you, it's like, whoa, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's as real as it could be. And then Brother Lacey said this. Well, obviously, it wasn't today or right now. But what if it had been? Would you be ready to go? My fiance up in the up in the choir. Our choir didn't come down during the services. They stayed there. She had to come down out of the choir loft to get saved. She gives her own testimony. I won't, I'd botch it all up, but she talks about how it was like the Lord said, if you don't go now, you're not going to go. What's God to do? God got to do to get you to go if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior? Come on, I trust it's not some just big drama. I trust it's just the truth of the word of God and the fact that Jesus said he's coming back, but he's not coming back as a savior. He came the first time as a savior. He's not coming back as a savior the second time. He's coming back as a judge. 
And if you're lost, don't tell me, well, then I'll know and then I'll get saved. No, you'll be deceived. The Bible says you'll believe the lie. You say, well, I'll know because I've heard the preaching. I know about the prophecy. I don't know, but I'm telling you, the word of God doesn't lie. And I'll take its testimony above yours. And it says you're going to be deceived and you won't get saved. And you'll be condemned. And God's judgment will fall on you. I'm telling you, friend, listen, again, I say, if you're not saved, today is the day of salvation. Do you know who he is? Do you know what he can do? Do you know what he will do? Last point. (laughs) Do you know how Jesus would have us to overcome? I'll turn back to believers. If you struggle like I do with some of the things going on in our country, and here's my problem. I said it a moment ago. I hold dual citizenship. I'm a citizen of heaven. I don't always act like it. (laughs) But I'm glad I'm not saved by how I look or act or what I do. I'm saved by grace through faith. Amen. And I know I'm saved because I've... Claim the promises of God's word. I did what he said to do and I'm in it in my heart and I know I'm saved. Amen. But I'm also a citizen of the United States of America. Amen. Boy, have we got our warts. <laughs> but I'm still glad that I live in the United States of America. I wouldn't trade my place here for any other place in the world. And I've traveled around. I've been in some other countries and there's some nice spots. <laughs> And I know I'm a little biased, but this is still the greatest country in the world. And I love my country. I often give the testimony. I'm like Jeremiah, who's called the weeping prophet. And he was a prophet to Judah, and he knew what Judah had been. He knew what it could be, and he knew what it was. And he's crying all the time. That's kind of the way I find myself. I love my country. I'm sick up to here with what's going on. What in the world? Well, I'll tell you, oh, don't get me going. We'll be here, we'll be here later in the afternoon. You get me going on this stuff. But I'll tell you what, this so-called public education is a misnomer. It's public conditioning. And that's where it's happening. They got our kids five days a week for six, seven hours a day. And we want them to come to Sunday school one day a week. And we got two or three generations now. We are talking about it earlier. Like in the time of Joshua, they grew up after Joshua and his His people died and so there came up a generation that knew not the God of Joseph, knew not Joshua, knew not the things that God had done. We got a whole generation today that don't even know who they are. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you came from. You don't know where you're going. That's where we are today. I hope this isn't foreign to some of you. (laughs) I struggle with it. Well, how are you going to overcome? They said here in this day, what is this? What doctrine is this? What authority he commanded even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. How are you going to, how are you going to enjoy some of the ability that the Lord Jesus had here? And he said, as my father has sent me, so send I you. All authority, all power is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Well, hey. I'm led to believe some of that authority can be tapped into, can be appropriated. We can use it in this day. Hello? Oh, how we need to. (laughs) Look at our text again. 
didn't read this part, but look at verse 35. After verse 34 says, because they knew him, those evil spirits. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. When they'd found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. (laughs) You think? Crowds are (laughs) pressing against him everywhere he went. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. <laughs> There's two important ingredients here. In fact, just page back, take a moment or two, or page forward to chapter 9. Chapter 9 in Mark. Similar circumstance here in verse number 35, okay? Chapter 9, same book, Mark, verse 35. And he, Jesus, sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be... I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. 17, verse number 17. I'm sorry. Chapter 9, verse number 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master... I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Again, demon possessed. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answereth them, answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Skip down to verse number 25. Verse 25. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his His disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? Here it is. Jesus said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Go back to our text there in chapter 1. Verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. (laughs) If Jesus needs to pray, you think we do? (laughs) I'm telling you folks, one of the untapped, as, as a rule, one of the untapped resources we have as a child of God is the resource of prayer. Come on, we can't. Those disciples, why couldn't we cast him out? Because they're trying to do it. They're going to muster up some kind of capability, some kind of authority that they did not have of themselves. Why couldn't we cast him out, Lord? I'll tell you why. This kind, come on, we're, we're, up, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is spiritual wickedness in high places. Come on, this is, this is powerful stuff here. We're up against a spiritual warfare Heaven help us to know the hope of our country is not in Washington, D.C. 
Fasten your seatbelt. It's not in the Republican Party. I'm a conservative, but I'll tell you, I get more, I get more mad at the Republicans than I do the commun- communists. There is no Democrat Party anymore, let me say for the record. If you're a Democrat, God help you. <laughs> you lost your mind? Like I said, I can get going on that stuff. <clears throat> Our hope's not in D.C. Our hope is not political. In fact, the reason we're in the mess we're in is because of politics. It's a spiritual warfare. God bless America. I saw a bumper sticker years ago. It said, how about America blessing God for a change? (laughs) Yeah, how about that? But God has blessed America. Hello. God has shed his grace upon thee. Read, what is it, the third verse of our national anthem? That ought to be our first verse. I, I want to make a motion. <laughs> Talks about the one God has preserved us, made us and preserved us a nation. Yes, sirree. And our preservation is dependent upon him. Come on, the watchman waketh but in vain. We need God help. We need God to intervene. We need God to get involved in our country today. We need to welcome him back into the classroom. Yes, siree. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some folks to agree here this morning. I, this is a Baptist church, right? This is saved people here, right? We do know the Lord is the Lord God. There's no other God but God, not the state. God help us to turn back to the one who can heal our country, who can bring revival, who can make a difference. This only comes by prayer and fasting. And then God's ordered plan to reach a lost and dying world. Preaching. Go back, go back there to verse, verse number 37 in our text here. When they had found him, the disciples were looking for him. He's praying. They said to him, all men seek for thee. Lord, there's a crowd out here that needs to see you. He said to them, well, let's go help them. No, <laughs> he said, let us go into the next towns. Why? That I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. By the foolishness of preaching, God has so fit to save those that will believe. Come on, what the world needs to hear is the message he's invested in you. Preaching's not just somebody who gets behind the pulpit and boy, I love preaching. I love to get to do it. Thank you for the privilege. I love to get to hear it. Come on, if, if this is the only place preaching takes place, let's just sign off now. Our country's gone. You're a preacher. If you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you're in the army now. You're not behind the plow. Come on. You just signed up, friend. You just changed sides in the war, and there's a warfare going on. This is no playground. This is no picnic. It's a warfare. It's a battleground. And we need more soldiers equipped with the sword, come on, and the shield. And man, onward, Christian soldiers, onto the battle. It's all in array. God help us to be enlisted, a volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true. Others have enlisted. Why not you? (laughs) Come on, folks. It's time. It's high time. We have the answer. Prayer. And preaching. 
Go back to the book of Acts. They turned the world. Oh, no, I don't, in your mind, in your heart, go back. You have to turn there. But here's the message. They turned the world upside down. Someone said, well, in reality, they turned it right side up. <laughs> it's already upside down. Come on, we have the answer. We're the key. How are you going to overcome this world that's controlled so much by Satan and his army? I'll tell you how. Jesus told us how. Prayer and preaching. Prayer and preaching. God help me. God enable me. God give me boldness. God help those that I see to be sensitive and open and receptive to the message that you will give them through me. God, I make the difference. I'm the difference maker. You're the difference maker in my life to make me to make a difference. God help me make one. High time. Lord is coming soon. Are you smarter than an evil spirit? Do you know more than a fallen angel? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he can do? Do you know what he will do? You know what he's designed so that we can overcome the evil world? Come on, do you know? I'll quote with a real spiritual quote. Some of you Minnesota Vikings fans will appreciate this. There's a quote by Vince Lombardi. <laughs> he said, the best defense is a good offense. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Come on, the gates of hell is a defense. Won't prevail against us. We're supposed to be on the offense. Let's charge the gates of hell. Come on, said, I got enough zeal. I'll charge hell with a squirt gun. Go for it, brother. Go for it. We need more soldiers like that. It's the answer. You lamenting the condition of our country? Enough crybaby. <laughs> Enough. We don't need any more crybabies. We need somebody to take matters into their own hands and pick up the sword and go into the battle. Amen. Amen. If you're here this morning, I'll take you back to question one. Do you know who Jesus is? He's your Savior. He loves you, gave himself for you. And he wants to save you and give you the gift of eternal life. And he wants to enlist you in his army. <laughs> I'll say again, we're on a battlefield. There's the forces of evil against the forces of capital G, good. When you're on Satan's side, and if you're lost, you are. You're at enmity with God, the Bible says. And you're against a pretty gracious and kind enemy. You're at enmity with God. He's really not at enmity with you because he loves you. But you're on the side where you have a gracious, gracious opposition. But when you change sides in the war, oh baby, fasten your seatbelt. He is wicked. He is evil. He hates you. He hates this place. You know, if he had his will right now, he'd kill us all right where we sit. I'm telling you, he's a destroyer. He hates every one of us. But God loves us. And he's more powerful than the enemy. Because he won't let him kill us. Somebody say amen. amen. He loves us. But he wants to use us. One of the reasons he doesn't want him to, <laughs> doesn't want him to kill us because we're his instruments 
that he wants us to reach a lost and dying world with the truth. It's the answer. It comes back to the answer. If you're here today and you've never answered the call, God loves you. God wants to save you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Then I'll say to you again, today is the day. You're not here by accident. This is a divine appointment. Start with some of the first things I said. We're talking about real issues here. This isn't pie in the sky. This isn't some fairy tale thing. Oh, it's the preacher just preaching. We're talking about a true circumstance. Satan hates you, wants to take you to hell with him for all of eternity. But God's not willing that any should perish. He loved you, gave his son to die in your place so he could offer you a free gift called eternal life. I'll say again, if you scoff at that, if you're not interested in that, you need a cold slap in the face. What is wrong with you? Are you no smarter than an evil spirit? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the truth of God's word and thank you for the fact you do love us. John tried to describe it and he said, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us? It's beyond description. We, we can't even conceive or comprehend a love that would be such that you'd offer your own son to die in our place suffer our punishment, our condemnation, our consequence for our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be called the sons of God. Father, again, I pray. I ask the Holy Spirit to bring hard conviction, convincing and then conviction upon the heart of anyone here today that wouldn't know you as their Savior. Maybe some tuned in by live stream in the same condition. Help them to know right where they are in their own living room maybe. They can bow their head, confess that they are a sinner without hope. And ask you to come into their heart and be their Savior. They can do it today. God will meet us anytime, any place, anywhere. Maybe there's someone in our presence in this service today in that condition. Lord, I pray you'd impress upon them the need to act upon the invitation that will be offered here in just a moment. When the song is sung, they can come down, walk the aisle, and someone will be honored and privileged to show them from the Word of God how they can trust Jesus Christ. They can leave here different than they came, eternally different. Help them to know that they wouldn't be embarrassing themselves. Everyone here is for them. Most importantly, you're for them. So I pray you'd so convict them they'd act upon it today, not tomorrow, not to procrastinate another time. No, today, today. Accomplish your will in each heart. There's a myriad of different needs here to decay today because there's a myriad of different people that you can meet each need, and I pray you would now as we go to the invitation time. And I'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll ask you to stand, please. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.